Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. In November of 2020, Politico published a story with a headline that read, Pandemic on Course to Overwhelm U.S. Health System. The story looked at how the winter surge in cases wasn't just creating a shortage of ICU beds and protective gear, but also a shortage of medical professionals. America is facing a healthcare crisis of unprecedented dimension with a number of factors contributing to the impending worker shortage. That was nine months ago. But just this week, we published another story, this time with the headline, Health Worker Crunch Pressures States Battling Delta Variant. It, it does feel like we are it, maybe not back to square one, but definitely backsliding. That's Alice Miranda Olstein, who co-reported both of those stories. You're seeing just all of these things that we went through last year. And I mean, as, as a reporter, you know, we're, we're sort of looking at, you know, what was I writing about a year ago and who are the sources? And now I have to contact them again because we're going through the, the exact same things. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today... Alice Miranda Olstein on why we're once again seeing a dangerous shortage of health workers. So we are heading into a very dark place. And in some parts of the country, hospitalizations are even worse than the worst months of last year when we didn't have a vaccine. But even now that we have one, not enough people are taking it. And that has allowed these variants to evolve and emerge that are sending people to the hospital in really record numbers, mostly unvaccinated people, overwhelmingly unvaccinated people, I should say. And that is causing a real crunch in hospital workers because as we keep hearing from all these different parts of the country, you can build more hospital beds, you can't build more hospital workers. Where specifically are we seeing these shortages of hospital workers, or is it across the board? So it, it it is across the board at this point. You know, we saw most of the case surges in the South, but we're really seeing problems with hospital capacity in many different parts of the country, from Florida and Texas to Oregon and parts of the Midwest. It's really getting bad in many, many different places. And when we're talking about healthcare workers, are we talking about all healthcare workers? Like, is this a shortage of doctors and nurses and PAs and medical technicians? Or is it specifically like one aspect of, of health work? So we're hearing that, yes, it's a real problem with nurses because we already had a shortage before the pandemic. And now after going through all of the stress and trauma of last year, that has driven many people to leave nursing. And that has just exhausted the pool of workers we already had. But we we are hearing that it's not just nurses. It's all kinds of assistants and all different kinds of support staff, even just people who answer the phones at a hospital. There are a shortage on many different kinds of fronts. So we have a situation where like people who dealt with this last year might have decided enough is enough. And then there's a smaller number of people on staff. And now that staff is being overrun. Absolutely. And there are people who just felt like 
my employer didn't look out for me last year. They didn't make sure I had the proper masks and protective gear. They didn't make sure I was protected, that my family who I went home to was protected, and I don't want to continue putting myself at risk. There's also a lot of frustration we're seeing bubbling up due to the fact that a lot of this is being caused by people who are declining to take the vaccine. And that is just harder for a lot of folks to deal with when they are interacting with patients than when there was no vaccine available. Are we seeing at all similar situations to last year with medical supplies and and masks and stuff like that? Or is, is that end of it at least better? So that end is better in that there is just a lot more being manufactured and available. Mm -hmm. We are hearing from some hospital workers that the actual employers themselves, the hospitals themselves are sort of cheaping out and not buying enough for their workers and still requiring them to reuse masks etc. And Mm. that has caused a lot of frustration. But again, you can manufacture more masks, you can build more beds, you can't build more people, especially people who have all of this really specialized training. So how does this end up playing out in the hospital when you do have these increasing numbers of, of COVID hospitalizations, but you don't have the staff needed for all these people? What does that look like in the hospital? Like what effect does it have? Sure. So some parts of the country are offering these big signing bonuses to try to attract nurses from other areas to come work there to to help fill the shortages. Others are calling on the National Guard to help out again, as they did last year in terms of they did a lot last year in terms of testing and early vaccinations, and they're being remobilized again to support some of these hospitals. They are uh, even looking at changing or waiving some laws that are in place to say, okay, only a medical worker with X training can treat X kind of patient. They're now saying, all right, this is an emergency. We need to loosen some of these rules, at least temporarily. And really, that means that if you are admitted, you could be treated by somebody who doesn't have the same level of training and experience as was required before. So are people not getting the care they need? Like, is there a chance if you are admitted to a hospital in an area that is seeing an influx of patients that you might not get what you need as a patient and could, I don't know, get sicker or even die because of this shortage? That's definitely the fear. And, you know, when you have a single nurse in charge of monitoring, you know, nine or more patients, which is what we're hearing, that means each individual patient is getting less care and attention. That's just that's just the way it is. And I want to stress that this doesn't just impact COVID patients. If you need to go to the hospital for any kind of reason, if you, you know, get hit by a car or, you know, whatever a very common thing is, you could find yourself in the position where you are stuck waiting in an emergency room or you're being treated in the hallway. I mean, this this is really what we're hearing right now because of the shortages we have. That's pretty wild to think about. I mean, how did the doctors and health workers and health officials who you spoke to in reporting this story, how did they describe the situations that they're seeing? So they they were just really, you know, dismayed. They feel they feel burned out and exhausted. They're they're afraid. <laughs> and I want to also note that it isn't just hospitals, but it's the whole sort of eco health ecosystem. And one really um, alarming thing we learned about is that 
because there is also a worker shortage in uh, long-term care facilities and nursing homes, those were some of the places where when hospitals would discharge a patient, a COVID patient, after they got a bit better, they would discharge them over to a nursing home or long-term care facility to recover. But if those facilities can't take any more people, you get a backlog and that's further putting strain on the hospital system. Hmm. This is kind of a loaded question, but who would you say is to blame for this situation? So we are hearing again and again that unvaccinated people are the majority of the people who need this kind of hospitalization and care right now. That said, Prior to the pandemic, hospitals were really operating on a very lean staffing and lean budget and trying to cut costs wherever possible. And then when the pandemic hit, that continued because hospitals were losing money because people weren't coming in for their normal procedures and surgeries as much. And so they lost money and often tried to recoup those losses by cutting more staff, even as this crunch of patients mounted. And so there's just all of these factors. And I think there are increasing calls for either more government or sort of watchdog scrutiny of the medical system, you know, especially as, you know, nonprofit hospitals get all these uh, tax incentives and They've gotten all of this government aid and government funding during the pandemic. And yes, they have lost money in certain ways, but they've gotten this infusion of funding in other ways. And how is that money being spent? These are all things that we should really be exploring in the months ahead. Alice Miranda Olstein, thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you. Also today... In one of her first acts as the new leader of New York, Governor Kathy Hochul is overhauling how the state releases COVID death data to ensure that it's more consistent with federal reporting standards, an issue that dogged former Governor Andrew Cuomo's administration and sparked allegations of a cover-up. The Hochul administration's first coronavirus update released on Tuesday recognized an additional 12,000 COVID deaths that had been previously excluded from the state's official tally. It showed both the deaths that healthcare facilities report through the state's health data system, as well as those reported to and compiled by the CDC. And Pfizer and its partner BioNTech have begun the process of applying for approval of a booster dose of their COVID shot for people 16 years and older. The companies announced the move on Wednesday, just days after the FDA gave full approval to use of their shot in the same age group. But that decision applied to the initial two-dose regimen and not boosters. The company's filing is a crucial step in the Biden administration's plan to offer booster shots for all adults beginning in late September. Today's episode included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to subscribe to Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.